Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 26 of Nacho Average Sisters Unfiltered. Can you believe it, folks? We made it through half of a year of Nacho Average Sisters podcast episodes. That's insane. And we're kicking off 2022 with a great episode on why diets don't work and how they contribute to eating disorders. So without further ado, let's hop into this week's episode. Wow. I really can't believe it that when Marissa and I started our podcast, I said that I wanted to do 52 episodes. That was my commitment. And at the time, I was kind of like, ooh, this is a big commitment. 52 is a lot of talking to myself or talking with Marissa week after week. But now we're halfway there. Like, 26 episodes is insane. And I'm so excited for the growth it's had and number of listeners from episode one to episode number 26. And the people who have reached out saying, like, hey, I really like listening to your podcast. Or the people who have reached out and said, hey... It's a decent podcast. It's kind of all over the place. Not sure why you share about your life, but thanks for doing so, I guess. I don't know. I mean, for all of the listeners, thanks for joining me every week. Thanks for joining Marissa approximately every three weeks out of the 26 episodes. But um, no, it's so good to have you guys in. Yeah, just as listeners. And yeah, happy new year. I'm recording this on the first day of 2022. And that's insane. It's very exciting to be into a new year. It's very exciting. I always get super excited about like what the new year will hold. I understand rationally like, oh, there's not much change from one day to another. And honestly, in the back of my mind, I think about all the extra work it causes for me at my job because there's a lot of things that switch over from 2021 to 2022. So it's like, oh, great, another new year. But I also, it excites me. It's very exciting. Um, I've got a lot of things to look forward to in the next year. And so, yeah, I'm just hopping into the new year with lots of excitement. But before we talk about the eating disorder recovery section of the podcast, I would like to talk about my week, as I always do, for the people who like to listen to it. And if you don't like to listen, feel free to skip ahead like five to seven minutes, and hopefully I'll be done by it with it by then. But it's been a good week. It's been very, very busy, insanely busy at work, um, just insanely busy in life. Honestly, I do feel a little stressed out because it's been so busy, and not even so busy that I'm like, running around from 6 a.m. in the morning to like midnight at night, but just there's a lot going on in my mind and it feels like I can't even, um, well, I can, I can, but it's hard to balance it. So anyway, it's been a very busy work or a very busy week. Um, and yeah, here's some highlights. One thing is I dog sat for a family friend, um, overnight and that was very exciting. There was, they have two huge dogs, which I'm not as familiar with. My parents have two small dogs and one like medium-sized border collie um but the dogs this couple had were like very very big dogs and I was terrified they were going to run away this couple lived on a farm and I just like envisioned bad things of the dogs running off into the fields but I'm very happy to report they did not run away my first dog sitting experience went very well much prefer to like nannying or babysitting I'm not a child person um, and so it was very nice to be with hum- or with animals, not humans. And so that was very fun this week. Um, a couple of other fun things that I wrote down was I've been going for some beautiful walks with just like gorgeous sunsets um, with the winter. Like, I don't know what it is about the winter, but I just feel like it. the cold air makes the sunsets look so much more crisp. Or maybe it's because like there's a white backdrop and so it's snowy. But either way, the sunsets are beautiful and they hit at such a perfect time. Like, 4.30, 5 o'clock, maybe 5.30. So I get off of work, I go for a little walk, I see a beautiful sunset, and it just like puts you into a perfect frame of mind for the rest of your evening. I don't know, it's it's very much been a highlight of my week. I'm saying this for my aunt, who I think 
listens to this podcast, well, I know she listens to it, but I've been reciting Edgar Allan Poe poems um, on her behalf, and actually not even on her behalf, but just to annoy my sister. I don't know. It's kind of a fun game. But Marissa and I like to joke that we have twin telepathy because I kid you not, folks, a lot of times we are thinking the same thing. Like if my mother says like, oh, what movie do you guys want to watch? Nine out of 10 times we'll say the same movie. Or if I don't I don't know, it's hard to think of examples, but like we honestly do think on the same brain wavelength or whatever a lot of times. And anyway, so what I'll do to annoy her is I'll ask Marissa, like, hey, what song am I thinking of right now? And see if she can guess it. And she honestly does guess it correctly. But this week I've changed it into, hey, what poet am I thinking of right now? Yeah, she has had no guesses at all. She's just like, oh, my gosh, you're so annoying. And then shuts her door and, like, dismisses me or whatever. But because of that, I've been reciting Edgar Allan Poe for her. Um, And, yeah, yeah, it's been fun. I don't know. I don't even know, I guess, if Edgar Allan Poe is a poet now that I think about it or if he'd be more classified as an author. But I think a poet. I'm not sure. But it's been very fun. Um, and then finally, a few other fun things this week. Well, OK, this was not fun. It has been freezing this morning. It was like negative 30 degrees Fahrenheit wind chill outside. Burr. Like so cold. You walk outside and just like everything, your nose, hairs, your like throat, everything just like instantly freezes up. It's so frigid, but I do love it. I love winter. I love like the crispness of the fresh air and it feels like it kind of just like cleanses everything. Um, And so I'm glad I live in a place where there is different seasons and where I do get to experience winter. And then finally, the last thing I wanted to share about my week and perhaps the most exciting is that last night I celebrated the bachelorette party of one of my friends that's getting married next week, which is insane. I can't believe their wedding's already coming up. Um, It's one so a few podcast episodes Adam joined me and we were in Bozeman hiking and that was kind of my celebration with him for his like what I called his bachelor party uh, but it wasn't really because I'm not one of his groomsmen but it was what I wanted to take him on to celebrate his wedding and so now I was with the bride celebrating her wedding with all the bridesmaids and it was super fun we went down to Des Moines which is not too far from where they live in Iowa and just like had a fun dinner and spent the night together with with New Year's Eve. I mean, it was pretty low key just because like COVID cases are kind of high. And I mean, their wedding is only a week away. So we want to be cognizant of that. Um, But I think the most fun part was my friend came back. So the groom of this like couple or the groom to be um, came back and just shared quite a few spirited thoughts with uh, the rest of us at their house on Carhartt country music singers, and Miss Pac-Man arcade games. And so that was just kind of a triple whammy of like, wow, was not expecting to hear that from him. But it was so much fun. I can't even explain how grateful I am for all their friendship. And I really had a fun time with them. And I'm very excited to celebrate them in their wedding next weekend. Because of that, there might not be a Not Your Average Sisters Unfiltered episode. Maybe Marissa will take over. But next weekend's a big weekend with a wedding. And then immediately after the wedding, it's insane. Like the very next morning, I get up at 6 a.m. and I fly to Phoenix, Arizona to visit my great uncle for two weeks. So I'm very excited for that. But maybe we might have to have some episode flexibility into the new year. But that's OK. This episode is about being flexible, about progress over perfection. And so it's it's good practice for what I talk about on the podcast. Speaking about the podcast, let's hop into the real meat and potatoes of this week's episode, which is why diets don't work and how they contribute to eating disorders. A little bit of background. I chose this topic because, hello, it's January 1st, 2022. 
And as I spoke about last week, New Year's resolutions are coming in hot. Weight loss advertisements, gym deals like fitness memberships, everything is very in your face right now because diet culture is trying to say, like, start the new year off on the right foot. Start by trying to lose weight or eating healthier or like all of those things. And so I just wanted to kind of center everyone or refocus in on Nine times out of 10, diets don't work, and very many people who are on diets, especially who are yo-yo dieters, which mean they like cycle through many diets, um, will end up with an eating disorder. So not very exciting news to hear. It's very sad, actually, um, and it's like been a big part of my eating disorder, although not necessarily like a brand name diet like Weight Watchers or Keto or Whole30 or anything, but... Um, just diets in general have very much played into my restriction and anorexia. And so something that's very close to my heart and something that I think is important for us to hear, but especially in the new year. So here are my thoughts on why diets don't work and how they contribute to eating disorders. Let's kick it off with a bang. More than 50% of Americans try to diet to lose weight every year, and over 99.5% of them will fail over the long term. That's insane. Like, if you knew there was a 99.5% chance you would fail. Would you attempt something? And I know there's like a few people who are like, yeah, you should always try it. Like, who cares if you fail? It's always worth it to at least try. And even if you don't succeed, that's okay. And I agree with that. Like, I'm 100% behind trying and doing your best. But like, no, not in this case. If you know there's only a 0.05% chance that you will succeed at a diet and that more often than not, it will end up hurting you more than it helps. Like, Oof, that's not great. And then, okay, so then more than 50% of people, at least in the United States, are still doing this, knowing that they're very, very, very likely going to fail. They're still attempting to diet. So that's just insane. I found this quote that says, dieting is the only socially acceptable form of self-harm. Knowing what we know about diets and their side effects today, it's simply not ethical to suggest that someone diets, um, which I'll add in my own thoughts, like particularly health professionals. It is very unethical to suggest that someone goes on a diet. Um, I can't really think of any scenario where it would be a good idea to say to a person sitting in your office, hey, I think you should go on a diet. You fall into this BMI category, and to improve that, you need to start a diet. There are many other things we can do instead. Um, perhaps, you know, to improve it, you should start adding more variety into your diet. Sure, that's okay. Or perhaps you should try and find a joyful movement practice that you enjoy once in a while. Sure, that's fine. But recommending that someone goes on a full-fledged diet is very unethical, and it is a form of self-harm. So hopping in, now I gave the background, you know, why I don't like diets, why we shouldn't even do diets, but let's talk about why diets don't work. Number one, most diets are based in limiting or eliminating certain food groups. So like the Whole30, I think you eliminate sugar, I think, maybe grains. I can't remember. I think refined grains. I don't know. You eliminate a bunch of stuff um, from the Whole30 diet. Keto, paleo diets, you eliminate a bunch of stuff. Um, I don't know about like the Atkins diet and Weight Watchers and Noom and some of those other things, but most often diets are rooted in limiting or eliminating certain food groups. Okay, fact. This is very unsustainable and will have a very negative impact on your nutrient intake. Like, our bodies are designed to need a variety of nutrients, vitamins, minerals, etc. 
Um, and so because of that, we need to eat from a wide variety of food groups. And so cutting them out from our diet or trying to limit them beyond what we need is not good for us. Um, diets most oftenly, most often will negatively impact your health. Um, you will lose muscle mass, which actually I didn't know this, but losing muscle mass is related to decreasing your metabolic rate. No, metabolic rate. <laughs> I can, I cannot pronounce. <laughs> it's a long day. But okay, it decreases that rate that I just mentioned. Um, you're losing muscle mass. You're at a higher likelihood of developing osteoporosis, cancer, high blood pressure, heart disease. Diets can lead to digestion problems, food sensitivities, fa fatigue, hair loss, dull skin, mineral deficiencies, etc. Which I can attest to many of those. And it just makes sense. Like if you cut something out of your diet for a long time, like let's say you cut out dairy from your diet for a long time, then yeah, when you reintroduce dairy, it's probably going to make like your stomach's going to be kind of sensitive to it. And so that makes sense. Hair loss. Yes. Restricting food or being underweight or dieting will very much con contribute to hair loss. Mar Marissa and I can both very much attest to it. And it's very unfortunate. It's like actually not a laughing matter. Um, and then diets can also lead to mental symptoms like mood disorders, anxiety, nervousness, poor concentration, being more negative in general, um, it can impact your energy levels and how you're sleeping at night. And so why would you diet? You read this entire list of side effects of like how it can lead to so many different physical symptoms. It can lead to so many different mental symptoms. And really, the only outcome is a 0.05% chance that you will succeed and actually lose weight for the long term. Like, no, that's insane. I would not recommend. Why? Why spend your entire life chasing this very, very small percentage that you will lose weight and that you will fit into the society's accepted ideal thin body type. And that's not what you're designed to do. Like God has designed you for the body that he that you're supposed to be in. And so if you just listen to your hunger and fullness cues, if you move your body in a joyful way when it is desiring movement, like you'll end up where you're supposed to be and you don't need to chase diet culture and feed into the wellness industry. But anyway, off my soapbox. Another reason why diets don't work is that they usually lead to a higher weight gain than the weight you lost. Um, and so let's talk through this a little bit, because I don't think many people hear this from diets. Obviously not. They don't advertise saying like, lose 20 weights, lose 20 pounds, I mean, with the whole 30 diet. But just so you know, by five years from now, you'll probably gain at least 20 pounds back, if not 30 or 40 pounds. Um, and so why does this happen? Well, it makes sense. It goes back to when we were like hunter gatherers, like many, many, many centuries ago. Um, it's just how like our society evolved, I guess. And so um, when food is scarce, the body slows down its systems to conserve energy and to devote that energy it does receive to making sure your brain functions and your heart functions. So when you're not eating a lot, when you're restricting, when you're dieting, your body slows down and it focuses on the very essential needs. When food is abundant again, the body regains its lost weight to protect itself in the event of another food shortage because um, it doesn't know when a moment of famine is going to come up again. And so when you diet frequently, your body learns that you're going to constantly be in this feast slash famine mode and ends up holding on to this extra weight that it will gain. Um, when you're in the feast mode to protect itself against these famine periods, if that makes sense. And so I think I have a podcast episode. I can't quite remember on set point theory, but eventually, like the more you diet, the more your set point weight will push 
up into like a higher weight bracket um, because your body is just never sure when it's gonna when it's gonna have food again and so when it does have food it wants to hang on to as much of that food and that weight as it can and I can attest to that that um, when I was first in eating disorder recovery my set point weight was probably well I don't want to give numbers I guess because that could be triggering but it was a lot not a lot, but it was definitely lower than it is now. And that's just because I was in eating disorder recovery. I recovered to my set point weight. And then like I moved to New York, my eating disorder got really bad again. And I was like restricting food. And so because of that, my set point weight got pushed up even higher, whereas now I'm at a higher weight, just because of that kind of like yo yo diet cycling that occurred. And so yes, that is very true. People are not making this stuff up. It is very relatable. Um, one quote I was reading when I was like looking into the studies on this and stuff said that most people would be better off not going on a diet at all. Their weight would stay somewhat the same and their bodies would not suffer the wear and tear from losing weight and gaining it all back again. Um, there was also this five year study on twins that were teenagers. So like their control environment was exactly the same. They like slept the same, lived with the same family, ate the same foods. Like it was very much a like even study to follow and but one twin dieted and one tw- twin didn't diet and the dieting twin who had gone through just one intentional weight loss episode so the twin who decided to diet just once was nearly two to three times more likely to gain more weight and be what society would classify as overweight which I use air quotes because you know not my not my most favorite word but um, anyway, the twin who dieted was more likely to gain weight and be overweight compared to the twin who didn't diet. Um, and the risk of becoming overweight or gaining more weight increased every cycle of dieting and weight loss. And so dieting automatically increases your risk of gaining weight into the future. And in fact, dieting is one of the best predictors we have right now of future weight gain. Like, that's insane. Why? Why does Weight Watchers not just like, obviously, because they're making money, but why don't they say, hey, please join us, please diet with us, but just so you know, you will likely gain weight in the future, and in fact, like, if you do this, you're almost guaranteed to gain weight. Obviously, they don't want you to know this, but it's just insane that more people don't know how bad diets are for you and how bad they don't work. Um, And then, okay, UCLA, which is the University of California in Los Angeles, um, did a study and found that out of 200 people that diet, only 10 will meet their weight loss goals. And then long-term, only one person will keep that weight off, which long-term is five years or longer. So 200 people dieted, only 10 met their goals. Long-term, five years later, only one person kept that weight off, which goes back to the 99.5% failure rate that I mentioned like five or seven minutes ago, which is just insane. Um, And then they analyzed every study that followed. So, sorry, backtrack. The same team of experts at UCLA analyzed every study that followed dieters over a two to five year period and found that none of the studies showed that diets produced any long term success with weight loss or have health benefits. Their conclusion was that diets do not lead to sustained weight loss or health benefits for the majority of people. And they looked at every single published long term dieting study that they could. So they left no study unturned or no stone unturned. That was kind of like a a good pun, actually. Um, But yeah, they left no study unturned. They looked at them all and they found that none of the dieting studies 
produced any success or had any benefit to individuals health so that's insane like going back over that all again like diets don't work because they contribute to physical and mental health symptoms negative um, they end up causing you to gain more weight than you lose and they have like no long-term success rate there's barely any research that shows that you will be successful at a diet and if there is research that shows it i can guarantee you it was funded by one of the dieting companies Okay, so obviously diets don't work. I just spent 12 minutes talking about why they don't work, but they beyond not working, they also contribute to eating disorders, which is very sad and hits very close to home for Marissa and I, um, but it's something very important. I wanted to include it in this episode, especially if someone is listening right now and they're like, all right, like, hey, my diet probably won't work, but who knows? Maybe I'll be that one out of 200 people that will lose weight and keep it off over the long term. I still kind of want to try it for the new year. It was my new year's resolution. All right, just listen to my next few points before you consider proceeding. So diets can be incredibly damaging to people's relationships with food and end up leading to more problems in the long term. One of the ways it does this is diets encourage you to obsess about foods, both the foods that you're quote unquote allowed to eat. So you're constantly thinking like, oh, what am I going to have for dinner? I can only eat chicken, vegetables, and one cup of yogurt or something. How am I going to make something fun with that? So you're constantly thinking about the foods you're allowed to eat, and most likely you're constantly thinking about the foods that you're not allowed to eat too, those foods that you're craving. Like, oh, I can only have chicken, yogurt, and broccoli, but I really want like a burger and a salad, you know? Um, So diets encourage you to obsess about foods. They force you to categorize foods as quote-unquote healthy or unhealthy, which one of the biggest things we unlearn in eating disorder recovery that is that foods don't have a moral status. They can't be categorized that all food is is a food like and can be stripped down to its very basic fats, carbs, and proteins. And then, of course, there are different vitamins and minerals. But um, we don't need to label food as good or bad, healthy or unhealthy. Food is not moral. But diets make you think that food is moral. Diets can cause you to feel guilty, shameful, or stressed when you eat certain foods, especially those foods that are called quote-unquote unhealthy or when you're not following your diet plan. It just leads to a lot of unnecessary like emotions that you don't need in your life. Which goes into my next point. It's such a bummer because diets take away the enjoyment from mealtimes and foods. Um, you're constantly anxious about it. You're stressed about it. You're feeling guilty if you're eating a food that isn't on your diet plan you're supposed to be following and that's so sad because food is like such an important part of life it's got social aspects like last night for the bachelorette party we went out for a nice dinner together that's a huge thing whereas like if you were dieting it would be such a bummer because you wouldn't be able to partake in it fully or you would be anxious the entire time um and that's a bummer food is cultural too like christmas was just happened and every event every event um, included food. Sorry, I cannot talk today, guys. I guess it's 2022. We are just whew, starting the year slowly. But hey, maybe that's fine. Maybe I'll ramp up then really high later in the year or later in the day, too. Maybe it's just too early in the morning. But um, anyway, food is cultural. Like there's holidays where food is important. There's countries where food is important. Like when I'm traveling to Budapest in the next few months, like I'm super excited to try different foods in Budapest. And it was fun to try different foods in Lisbon. And it was fun to try foods in France. And if I was dieting, I wouldn't be able to partake in that. Like food contributes to relationships. It unites a lot of people of friend groups and families and um, like other situations. And so 
if you're dieting to cut all of that out of your life is a real it's a bummer and it does affect you mentally too um, and then the last thing I'll say about how diets contribute to eating disorders is that 35% of dieters progress to pathological dieting, and out of those individuals, 25% of them will develop a medically diagnosable eating disorder. So that's like a pretty high chance if you're a dieter to develop an eating disorder. Um, dieting is one of the best predictors of future weight gain, and so, yeah. It's hard. I mean, if you're considering a diet and you want to know more, feel free to message Marissa or myself on Instagram at Nacho Average Sisters. We'd be happy to talk through it with you. Um, but I think our biggest prayer is that maybe that you reconsider the diet and think about what else you can put your energy into. Maybe something fun. I don't know. I'd recommend traveling, ice skating, playing with a dog, reading a good book. I mean, vacuuming even, basically anything other than dieting would be highly recommended from Marissa and I. Wow. Okay. Lots of information about diets. That was super fun. Want to wrap up this episode with a quick diet culture in the news segment, which it's such a bummer. So I seriously wrote this podcast episode yesterday or the day before I outlined everything. And the article I chose is about Betty White and how her key to living to 100 years old was to avoid anything green in her diet. But unfortunately, Marissa just told me yesterday, like didn't even know this was in my podcast, but told me that Betty White passed away. And so, wow, like what is what a coincidence that I would choose this article and then find out a day later um, that she passed away. And, you know, I'm praying for her family and friends and everything. And I love Betty White, so I'm very sad, too. But either way, she lived to 99 years old. That's a pretty cool life. And um, People Magazine recently asked her, like, what does your food look like at 99 years old? How have you gotten to be this old? And what do you eat? Um, and she said, I try to avoid anything green, and I really think it's working. And so, I don't know. That was the whole diet culture in the news segment. It's not even diet culture, but it's really cool. If you want a reason to not eat green foods, just say you want to grow old to be 99 years old like Betty White. I mean, she's a terrific comedian and actress and everything. So, obviously cut out green green things and you know don't do that because i we always advocate on the podcast not to cut out food groups like i literally just talked about that 15 minutes ago but i don't know i think so many people push green foods thinking like spinach and kale and kiwi and pears and stuff are so much better for you but betty white says no green foods i bet she's living a life she lived a life i guess of ice cream and frozen pizza and lived to be 99 years old that's amazing who knows? But yeah, that wraps up our diet culture of the news segment. Thank you, everyone, for listening to episode number 26 of Nacho Average Sisters Unfiltered. Thank you so much for joining us for the first six months of our podcast. Like, that's awesome. And it sincerely means a lot to us. So thank you. We hope you learned more about dieting, why diets don't work, how they contribute to eating disorders. If you have any topics you want to hear us talk about in the future, please reach out uh, to us on Instagram. If not, we hope you have a great week and can't wait to talk to you again soon.